Hi folks, this is Rico, and you're about to hear another uh, episode of Treks in Sci-Fi for November 18th, uh, and this is, I think, 706, November 18th, 2018, and yeah, 7.0, I'm waiting for it to reload, <laughs> yeah, podcast 706. This week was going to be originally a guest spot or perhaps a rerun, but I decided to do a, a, a show it's going to be a little shorter than normal. Uh, Stan Lee of, of Marvel uh, Comics and, and fame and 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 just an amazing guy, an amazing legacy passed away this this past week. And I, you know, comics and and Marvel especially uh, mean a lot to me, and and they brought me a lot of joy and pleasure over the years. Reading them, collecting them, uh, going to the films. And uh, when, when Stan passed away this past week, I thought, well, you know, I should do a little uh, a show about Stan Lee because there's a lot of things uh, that, you know, some people don't realize and, and has been, um, I think, is, is worth talking about, especially since uh, there's been, of course, you know, any, you know, when people pass away, I don't know what it is, but it brings out the, uh, you know, it brings out the, you know, not so nice people for some reason. And I, I don't understand that. I mean, like, have a little respect, right? Come on. So um, I'm just going to talk a little bit about my my thoughts, my feelings a little, play a few things for all of you. And, um, you know, I, I, I think everyone these days knows certainly who Stan Lee is. The movies have made it popular for sure, uh, even if you're not a comic book uh, person or fan. So uh, let's uh, do this uh, tribute to Stan Lee here on Trexan Sci-Fi. I'm Captain Kirk. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present the winners of the 74th Annual Hunger Games. We are the men in black. I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. My name is Optimus Prime. I am the Futus of War. Resistance is futile. Yes, it's a die streak. Flows from the force, but beware of the dark side. Iron oh, Man, that's kind of catchy. It's got a nice ring to it. I mean, it's not technically accurate. It's, it's a gold titanium alloy. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. This is a uh, reach call. You're listening to Treks and Sci-Fi. All right, welcome to the podcast, everyone. This is Rico, and uh, I'm trying to adjust my volume. I think I'm talking loud, or I have my settings on my little trusty, true, and reliable mixer here too high. So, um, yeah, welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, this uh, I, I try not to be somber about this. You know, uh, Stan Lee uh, that I'm planning on, you know, that I'm talking about, or, or well, I was going to say that I will be talking about, but I am talking about it, right? So, um, he, you know, he had a great life. He had a long life. And, and uh, you know, while it's always sad when someone passes away, and, and it's not like, you know, most people listening to the show, I certainly, um, 
I've saw them in passing at a couple of conventions that I've been at. Uh, I never had a chance to really get an autograph or a photo with him, uh, but um, he he was always out there for the fans. So, you know, you 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 know celebrities and people, you know, through what they do, what they work on, what they create, how they interact with fans. I've always heard good things about how Stan was at uh, conventions. He he truly truly you know, embrace the fandom, uh, treated people, um, well when, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, there's always going to be incidents and things when somebody's maybe not having a great day, but, um, I am not trying to make the guy like he never had a whatever, but, uh, as a whole for somebody, he, he was always out there too. You know, he, the guy, the guy was, you know, he passed away when he's 95. I mean, he was doing appearances, cameos in the Marvel movies, uh, uh, just, just going, going, going. I, I, I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing to me. And, and I think it just shows so much of how, you know, the type of person that he was, he could have sat back, you know, he was still collecting, uh, I think, uh, uh, you know, chairman type or whatever, retired chairman, whatever his actual position was at that point in Marvel. But I mean, he was still, it's not like he was doing it for the, for the financial side of it at all. So, um, Let's go back, though, and talk a little bit about, uh, you know, his early days. Uh, So he was actually, his his name is not Lee. His last name is Lieber. Uh, Stanley Martin Lieber was born on December 28th, 1922 in Manhattan. Uh, He, in the apartment of Romanian-born Jewish immigrants, uh, Celia and Jack Lieber. Um, So, you know, he was born in Manhattan, you know, grew up. Grew up in New York, uh, and and I think that's very important because so much of uh, some of the classic characters that that Stan helped create, you know, Marvel has always been very New York heavy and New York based with a lot of things, especially of course Spider Man, Peter Parker. Uh, so so the you know Marvel comics are, are just drenched in in New York and and how that I- I impacts or um, uh, you know sort of sets the stage for a lot of what they've done over the years and and then generally the east you know the x-men are sort of set in the east uh and and other characters too so uh let's see what do we want to skip ahead to i'm looking at is this uh, this uh wikipedia entry here um he he worked at uh he became an assistant at timely comics in 1939 you know, he was uh, he was working on other comics. You know, Marvel didn't start until later. He ended up in the army uh, in in the forties in in World War II, uh, still drawing and things. I uh, I do get a little bit of a kick out of the fact that um, that he's left-handed. I'm be, being left-handed myself, and e- even though uh, Stan, you know, was primarily you know he was an artist but but later he really worked on creating characters writing and things like that and left the art duties um, especially in the early days of marvel especially to like jack kirby uh who we co-created a number of characters with let's uh let's get down to that stage i guess you know there's there's times where um he wrote a lot of stories romance stories western stories horror stories um and they did some uh, newspaper strips with some other some various people that he worked with, uh, some radio comedy even. Uh, he, you know, basically he, he was always sort of in the you know this this creative kind of mode. 
uh, entertaining kind of mode. Um, and uh, in the late 50s, DC Comics editor Julia Shorts revived the superhero archetype, and uh, they created Justice League at that time, Justice League of America. And, and then um, in response to this, publisher Martin Goodman assigned Lee to come up with a new superhero team. Lee's wife suggested that he experiment with stories that he preferred uh, and, uh, you know, he was starting to get into this at the, at the, at this stage, uh, pushed along a little bit by DC. Uh, and, you know, a lot of companies, there's a lot of things in his, in, in history and, in, in America and other countries too, but it, you get pushed along, companies get pushed along by their competition. And certainly Marvel was, was being pressured. Well, it wasn't really Marvel at this point, but they, they got a lot of, um, pressure from what was going on with DC and somebody said, you know, we, we could do this too. One of the very important things about Marvel and what Stan brought to to it uh, on, on some advice from his wife and others uh, that was that, that, that his superheroes should be um, like not great, you know, perfect people. Uh, the, the, you know, the, the classic, uh, way people look at comics and it's still sort of true this, this, to this day, but I think it's blended and changed and evolved a lot over the years. And I think you have, um, a blending of what I'm about to say in both DC and Marvel, but Marvel in, in those early days, especially much more than DC, which was more or less, you know, these perfect people like, like Superman, like Wonder Woman, uh, Green Lantern even. Batman was probably their most flawed type of character, and even he was mostly infallible in a way. His imperfection led to his perfection. Is that a good way to say it? So, so but, but, the, um, but the big thing about Marvel was the, you know, they, they did a lot of these characters that were, were, were always getting, like, messed up. They, they would fail. They would falter. They would stumble. Uh, they they were really geared towards um, that adolescent age, uh, you know, that's very very hard and very difficult, and 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 it, it really appealed to to people. And and um, based on some recent comments uh, in, in the news about all this, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something here that people will say, well, comics are for kids and stuff like that. And uh, I think that, well, we all went through, you know, if you become an adult, if you make it to adulthood, we all went through these awkward, difficult stages, right? We all we all have those times where we're not quite where, you know, maybe the way we want to be uh, or what we aspire to be. So uh, even, an, even a, a, an older adult can pick up something like a Spider-Man comic and where Spider-Man is still like, you know, in college or late high school. And we can all identify with that awkwardness. It's all still inside of us. So, you know, this, this thought that these things, these are kids type things and kids stories is I don't, I don't feel holds up. I, I feel that we all are still that person inside. I don't think you, people evolve and mature and, and, and change to a degree, but that we all went through that. So I, I think that's, an important point and and stan capitalized in a way on that and and that was always the big marvel brand was that their, their characters are kind of screw-ups a lot of times you have exceptions but and these, these are sort of general generalizations and things but it's it's an important point and and this is what what they really tried to bring to marvel and especially in those early days um 
one of the first superhero teams, you know, that, that Stan and Jack Kirby created with a Fantastic Four. Uh, and, and you have some very flawed characters there. Really, you have a scientist guy, Reed Richards, who, who, who just is so focused on his science and his work. He kind of, he doesn't have um, the greatest, you know, let's say interactions with, with the rest of his family and his team uh, and, and others. He's, he's this egghead kind of character. You have you have the 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 strong guy you know have you know the grumpy kind of somewhat strong guy the thing, and and the the, the cool thing about the fantastic excuse me about the Fantastic Four was that their their powers were sort of a reflection about who they were as characters, which really had not been done before. Re, you know, most most characters, DC characters, you know, they they were they had those powers. Some got the powers later, but. In this case, you know, with the Fantastic Four, the idea that the these characters had powers based on sort of their personality was a very, I feel like it was a very interesting and a unique thing. Reed Richards becomes, the you know, Mr. Fantastic who can stretch, which is sort of a measure of how much he's trying to stretch himself and do a million things at once and that kind of thing. Uh, Johnny Storm, who's kind of the hothead kind of rebel kind of kid you know, likes to drive fast, you know, he, he becomes the human torch, right? Which is cool and flashy and he, you know, he can fly around. Uh, and, you know, the thing I was talking about with, with Ben, you know, he's this solid rock kind of a character. Uh, and, and it's uh, even before he got the powers, you know, he always thought he, he wasn't like the most handsome and, you know, it, it becomes even more so when he becomes the thing and, and Sue Storm, um, who becomes Sue Richards later marries Reed Richards. The Invisible Woman was the idea that Reed doesn't really pay much attention to her. She can sort of vanish, you know. No one really, you know, people kind of ignore her to a degree and that kind of a thing. But she, but she also can create these force fields to protect people. So it's kind of the female nurturing type of character. So I, f I found that really, you know, w one of my favorite teams teams. Um, in comics is the fantastic four. And a lot of it has to do with that. You know, they didn't just sort of get random powers. So I think that's a really interesting thing and a really amazing thing that Stan and Jack created with that team that hadn't really been done before. I don't feel and not similar, you know, I mean, others have tried in the future and I'm not going to get into who's you know, uh, this isn't really a contest. I'm just kind of trying to give you guys some ideas of, you know, why I enjoy this th this stuff, why I think a lot of people do, and why it kind of um, is is creating so much of a reaction to a lot of people in the world with Stan's passing. I mean, he obviously wasn't working at Marvel anymore regularly. That That's long past. I, I actually have a friend that used to work with Stan a long time ago um, in, um, I guess that was probably like the the 90s late 80s 90s when, when they were really trying to get marvel movies going and um but uh but point is that uh you know these these um day-to-day -day comic issues and day-to-day -day, uh working of marvel is long past this but the that initial uh way of doing things way of writing characters way of doing stories is still there uh, i think marvel I'm not going to pull any punches exactly or whatever. I think they've certainly stumbled in the last, say, five five to ten years in the comic area where it's funny. Their movies have been amazing and doing well and great and all that, but I feel like they've lost a little of their 
original focus. And I, I feel that they're trying to get back to that. I think in the last year or two, that's that's come come back. And I, I see that uh, certainly with Spider-Man, the, you know, one of their core characters, the X-Men a little bit. They brought the Fantastic Four finally back. Uh, some of that has to do with legal issues with with um, Sony and that, but um, they're um, and them not wanting to basically promote a comic that that Sony had control of for the movie rights and all. But don't want to get into a lot of detail on that. But I, I think they're getting back to some of those Marvel core core values on this. Um, just to give you guys a little bit more on the overview, he, you know, Stan, uh, you know, he co-created with, with Kirby and others, a lot of the, the core, um, Marvel characters, characters like, you know, I already said the Fantastic Four, uh, the X-Men, the Hulk, Thor, Iron Man, uh, Daredevil, um, Doctor Strange, Captain America, Submariner, I mean, the Avengers, it's, um, I, I mean, there's, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot, and, and he certainly worked on writing a, a ton of classic stories, you know, involving things like Galactus, uh, Inhumans, Black Panther. I, I mean, just uh, just goes on and on and on. And um, the, you know, I, I really want to say though that the to me these, especially Spider Man. We'll talk about that, I guess, for a moment. Um, he's my favorite character in all of comics. He's always been that, always probably will be. Uh, I identified, I've said this before, I think on the podcast, I always identified with this nerdy high school science kind of kid because that was me. I was a lot more shy in that time in my life, especially early high school, and was the science nerdy kid. I had a little chemistry set, I had a microscope. Uh, I had a telescope, uh, and, you know, now I do science, you know, in, in a relation to my job. So it, it's, it's, um, science has always been important to me and a big part of who I am. But, uh, Spider-Man, you know, was this, um, he, he was this nerdy high school kid, but he was also super smart. Uh, got kind of picked on a little bit and, you know, he ended up with this power, you know, this, this, this power after he gets bit by the spider, of course, everyone knows the tale. And, but, but he learns that, you know, with, you know, the classic line of with great power comes great responsibility. And, you know, his, his, his parents are gone. He's, he lives with his aunt and uncle. His uncle dies through, you know, his, um, ego at the time and, and his being basically not doing what he should be doing with this power. Uh, and it haunts him a bit to, you know, and yeah, that, that to me was just, uh, perfect uh, type of reading i mean the first comics that i read and when i was first reading comics i did not i didn't read like a wide range i read a lot of marvel and um, mostly things like avengers spider-man and x-men i mean those were really my focus i i branched out and would read some of the individual books like iron man or thor um not a lot of captain america actually but um uh, I found him, frankly, Cap, Cap, I do like, but I found him a little always too little, too Superman-like, not in his power level, but in his good goody two-shoes kind of. I'm not making fun of him. I just mean it was harder for me to identify with, with somebody like Captain America than versus like Peter Parker. Uh, so, um, yeah, just, just a great legacy. And I'm going to take a break here. And there's been a lot of tributes online for Stan, and there, there's a good one that I found that just this morning that Marvel put out 
Uh, and, and this talks a little bit about Stan. I think it's about four minutes long. I'll, I'll play this for you guys, and I'll be back after that. Oh, just one quick note. The, uh, this video starts out with Stan Lee talking uh, in uh, 1968. So uh, just put it into context. There's a lot of different little clips in this, but uh, that's at the very beginning here. It's in the, it's in the past, some video of Stan back in the late 60s talking. I'm Stan Lee. I've been writing stories for the young generation for the past 30 years. During this time, I think I've learned a lot about what young people think. More importantly, I think I've learned a lot about what young people are. We're going to try to present a voice that somebody will listen to. The voice is needed. We hope it will be ours. gentlemen, the one and only, Mr. Stanley. Stan was doing one of his panels and they asked me to come up and just say hi to him. I felt a little goofy, but I came up, I, I shook his hand. I think the microphone caught it, but I whispered in his ear. I said, hey, they just wanted me to come up here and shake your hand, but, but while I'm up here, I want to say thank you. You saved my life. Because the life that I have today, there's a direct line to that first comic book to hear. Well, Stan's best creation was always Stan. As a creative figure is one thing. Stan, as a personality, was able to somehow tap into his own larger-than-life, self-effacing and self-aggrandizing at the same time personality. As I would describe it, that P.T. Barnum aspect of him, it's just something he infused the group with, and it's something that the people who followed him have been able to kind of keep that energy going. I think Stanley is going to be an icon, what he represents, what he was able to accomplish. He built American mythology because stories are really what stay with us. Those characters that he created and what he infused Marvel the brand with have always shown through. Even if they have superpower, they have to be believable. What they do has to be what any normal person would do in those situations. And the idea that he championed all kinds of different voices, all kinds of points of view, and the concept of diversity and equality and conversations about you know social politics, all these things he had been doing for, for years. And now it's at the forefront of everything that we talk about. I just think he was just connected in that way and he was connected to who his true audience was and who he was really writing for. He complimented that with always being hopeful, with his own first person personality of being Stan. My earliest memories of Stan were reading those soapboxes. You felt like he was talking directly to you and no one else. What I didn't realize was that there was a kid behind me at the candy store reading the same thing, feeling the exact same way. His ideology was very clear. It was very black and white, how to be good, how to treat people equally. And that's a really powerful impact to lean into the light as much as you can, even if there's darkness all around you. In writing the soapboxes, I used to just talk to the readers, anything that came to my mind, just to make the books not seem like something cold and aloof and something you buy and you throw away. I wanted them to feel buying a Marvel book was like visiting an old friend. Without that, we wouldn't be experiencing the success we had today. People like that, creative geniuses like that, you can't help but walk away learning lessons. They, they have a way of delivering messages that, you know, just resonate. 
with those of us who, who, who have followed his work and followed the characters he's created. He made it feel intimate and that anybody could belong to it. We're really lucky to have him really define us because it's really given us something to move forward with. There will never be a world without Stanley. He's the heart of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, that was, uh, there were a lot of Marvel uh, people uh, talking about Stan during that video there. Uh, and uh, just, you know, talking about how much Stan influenced them and influenced the Marvel way of things. Really nice uh, uh, little video. You can find that on uh, YouTube. Uh, I think it's just put out by, yeah, Marvel. And just search for Stanley Tribute, and you'll find all kinds of stuff right now, including uh, another one I'm going to play for you in a, in a minute here, too. You know, again, Stan Stan had this ability to sort of energize and inspire people. Uh, I mean, I just, I, I was always amazed, even in his later years, of how much energy he would put out at these events. You would see him come out on stage and talk, and uh, it just... Uh, Really, uh, really great, and uh, I think, uh, you know, something everybody could aspire to is to try to, you know, try to do positive in the world. There's so much, uh, you know, negativity these days, and, you know, try to give give people, uh, you know, kind of boost them up rather than to tear them down. So uh, this next bit, uh, I'm going to play this one for you, I think, and then we'll kind of wrap this up. This one I really like a lot. It's Stan basically talking about doing what you love. Uh, and he certainly loved um, telling stories and, and, and working on these characters. So listen to this, and then I'll be back in a few moments to wrap this up. I'm doing what I enjoy doing. It's like other men like to play golf, so they play golf every chance they can. So you don't say to them, how come you're playing golf today? You played last week. It was the same with me. To me... It is such fun creating characters, writing stories. It's an exciting life. And when you do something that you know the fans seem to enjoy, that gives you such satisfaction, you don't want to stop. Being interested in what you're doing. Um, I know my father, the poor guy, it was during the depression and he was out of work most of the time. So his life was shorter. And it was because there was nothing really that he was doing that could interest him. But I think if you do what really excites you, it just keeps you going as, as long as possible. Believe it or not, I almost never have been stuck on anything. Writing comes very easily to me. Everything else in the world is tough. <laughs> but writing, I don't have any problem with that. I, it, I can't write fast enough to keep up with what with the things I want to say. I think whatever you do, you should do what you most want to do and what you're best at. Too many people don't really do what their heart's desire is, but they try to do something else because they think, well, it'll be easy to get a job or to make money. And if that happens, then when you're doing it, you feel like you're working. But if you do what you really want to do, you feel like you're playing. It's easier for you to do. Um, I know I wanted to be a musician when I was young, but I had no talent for it. 
If I had wasted time trying to be a musician, I'd have either been a failure or I'd have been just an ordinary musician. But I love writing also, and it came easier to me. So I figured I'd stay with that. I think you have to do what you do best and what you enjoy. And um, I began to realize that entertainment is very important in people's lives. Most people, almost everybody, have lives that have problems and troubles and things to worry about. And if you can entertain somebody, take his or her mind off the things that would normally be bothering them, that's a good thing to do. Mostly I've just enjoyed everything I've been doing and I think my professional life has been a source of much pleasure for me. Yeah, I really like the that uh, you know comments from Stan. You know, so much of uh, his way of thinking is is my way of thinking. You know, do do what you enjoy, do what you love. Uh, you know, I've always been involved in in you know science related things, and I, I I do enjoy what I what I do for a living, and have generally you know been fortunate enough to to make a make a career that uh, never. For the most part, it's always there's always those times where it feels like work, but it, it, for the most part, it doesn't. You know, it, it, the days go by quickly, the weeks go by quickly. Uh, I don't know if that's sometimes these days a good or a bad thing, but uh, but I enjoy it, and and I have a lot of other side things like podcasting and others, um, other stuff that uh, I enjoy a lot too. You know, do what you love, do what you enjoy. The um, the other thing towards the end of that video that I wanted to mention real briefly about this idea of giving people some entertainment, giving people uh, the ability to imagine and uh, take their minds off their 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 day to day lives or problems that they might have or, or whatever, just a distraction for a few hours, whether it's watching a Marvel movie or or reading a comic, is, is to me super super important. Uh, you know that there are people who who turn to uh, not to turn into you know their <laughs> Stan had these Stan soapbox things back in the days in, in Marvel Comics. Um, not to get on my a Rico soapbox here, but you know people will turn to other things. People will turn to bad things. You know, alcohol, drugs, um, things that are not good for them. Things that are destructive. Things that cost them uh, jobs, money. Uh, and do a lot of damage where, you know, I've always felt like you, you can turn to other things, reading a book, a comic, seeing a movie, visiting, you know, friends, um, playing a game, whatever. Uh, that that is that is something that's uh, a, a good way to distract yourself and a good way to relax your mind. We all need um, play, I, I call it. Um, there's a great quote in, in Shore Leave, in the original uh, TOS episode of Shore Leave, uh, in the original Star Trek series. Spock says, you know, you guys all know the Shore Leave episode, right? They go to the little planet, uh, whatever people think about kind of appear. And it's more or less this, this you know, futuristic sort of amusement park. And, and I love that episode. It's one of my favorites. Uh, and one of the best lines in it is at the end of the episode... 
Spock says, uh, the more complex the mind, the more the need for the simplicity of play. And, I, and I've always had that in the back of my head. People who will, you know, diss comic books or diss, you know, these, these big comic book movies or a Star Wars movies or a Star Trek movie or some kind of fantasy or science fiction or, uh, and, and, uh, or, or dressing up and going to a convention. Uh, I just, I just want to like, <laughs> well, first I want to say, if it's not bothering you, why, why do you care what other people enjoy? I'm not a big sports fan, but I don't, I don't begrudge anyone from watching a football game or going to a football game. I, I love that they love something, you know, and the, um, so, so when people get down on that, I, I'm like, I, I don't, First, I don't get why they're getting down on it uh, in general because it's not—it's not up to you. You're—they're not; those aren't your choices, right? Unless someone's dragging you along and you don't want to go. But, um, but the, uh, the this importance of play is is super and critical and important. And I've always found, you know, when I'm stuck on a problem uh, or stuck on something that I, that I can't figure out a solution to, or or just, you know, my, my mind feels a little bit run down or whatever, you know, do something different. Uh, you know, again, entertain yourself, watch a movie, watch, you know, read a comic, uh, whatever, whatever you enjoy. Maybe it's a football game. Maybe it's taking a walk or a bike ride or, or running a race or, 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 or whatever, but find your thing. Right. And for me, me, this is my thing. Things like Star Trek, Star Wars, comics, um, this is my way of, of uh, entertainment and relaxation. And, and in Stan and Marvel uh, were a huge, huge, and still are a huge influence uh, on me. And uh, I, I, I don't know. It's uh, like, for example, when I got into college, you know, I, I college is fairly intense. Anyone who's gone to college, <laughs> even if you're smart, it, it, it's 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 not easy at times. So. But I always look forward to every week going to the comic shop to get a few comics to sort of ease that a little bit, right? To to um, to have that escape for a short period of time. Uh, so so again, you know, I've heard these comments, and I'm not even going to mention the the one particular guy's name, but but just dissing, you know, on comics about like they're for kids and they're not. No adult should be reading a comic. I, I just I just shake my head and I, I just think you just don't get it. You just don't understand. One, you don't understand how the human mind works. But <laughs> but two, like, well, again, why do you care what, what what other people enjoy? Now, now, that's not to say, you know, people can even take these these things to extremes. Right. Where um, I don't know. Uh, well, I'll give you I'll give you one little example. And then I feel like I got to get off the Rico soapbox. But I used to know someone who was married to a guy, although they eventually got divorced. But he was buying all kinds of like very, very high collectible comics, like thousands and thousands of dollars off eBay and, and not really even to collect them. But but he would try to resell, like flip them, what's called flipping, you know, like flipping houses, flipping comics. And it got them into a lot of debt because he, he you know, he spent a lot of money that he shouldn't have. And, and I've read and, and collected a lot of comics over the years. I've never been into the buying the the older comics and spending hundreds or thousands of dollars. It's never been a, really an appeal to me. I've read a lot of those stories in, in new collections that have been put out. I'm interested in reading those stories, but... Um, not not to play this little market game of of comics. So so that was a situation where and and he wasn't reading the stories either. So he wasn't doing what I was saying about comics. 
Uh, I feel like I've gotten off onto a way side road tangent. Uh, but, I, but I think that some people can view people who collect comics like that. You're blowing money on this, right? But I don't, I don't spend that kind of fundage and I've never, I've never, um, spent money on anything that, that I couldn't afford at the time or, you know, or, or taken, you know, like risk my, you know, lifestyle or living or home or whatever, all that kind of stuff, food, whatever. Okay. So enough about that, but, um, Stan Lee, you know, what, what, a, what a, what a life, what a career, uh, we could all, you know, just dream of having that kind of a life and a career in that length of a time. Uh, I, I just stand, you know, thanks so much for, for everything that you did for me and for everyone. Uh, and your legacy will, will of course live on for forever, in my opinion. So I'm going to end the show with one last little audio thing from Stan. This has been played on a lot of little tributes I've seen, but I think it's important about, uh, Marvel and, and Stan's approach or not approach, but his, his ideals of, of how we're all one people and we all should tolerate each other. That, that's another thing that permeated Marvel and still does. And, and I think it, it, it's, it certainly was a big influence on me. I mean, I've always, I don't, I don't care what you look like, what you, what, whatever. I care about the kind of person that you are. Are you a good person? Are you a bad person? Are, you know, that kind of stuff. Other than that, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, it, it's why I enjoy science fiction and things about aliens and, and comic book characters and all that. So, you know, who you are, what you do, uh, with yourself and your actions and your, um, how you treat people. That's, that's what's important. So here's the last thing I'll play from Stan. And hey, thanks so much for everyone listening to this. I hope it was enjoyable. I tried to keep, uh, my, my voice from cracking, uh, but, um, it, it's tricky. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Stan Lee, uh, if you weren't a comic fan, if you're not a Marvel person or whatever, I think you can still appreciate what he did for many others, uh, the pleasure and enjoyment and, and his, his ideals, I think are, are, are amazing and excellent and, uh, Excelsior. I can't say it like Stan does. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he, he will be missed. And I, I do believe we're getting one more cameo of Stan in, in the Avengers Infinity War follow-up, whatever that movie is going to be called. That'll be out in uh, the spring. Uh, so that, that will be nice to see. But, uh, yeah, Stan Lee, uh, a le- legend, uh, you know, gone now, but not certainly not now or ever forgotten. So thanks, folks. I'll be back next week with uh, another podcast. I'm going to look at a couple of Discovery episodes next week as we move our way towards Season 2. Uh, here's, another, again, another uh, little bit of uh, inspirational uh, talk from Stan the Man Lee, and I will talk to you all again soon. Thanks. Bye. Hi, heroes. This is Stan Lee coming at you. want you to know, Marvel has always been and always will be a reflection of the world right outside our window. That world may change and evolve, but the one thing that will never change is the way we tell our stories of heroism. Those stories have room for everyone, regardless of their race, gender, religion, or color of their skin. The only things we don't have room for are hatred, intolerance, and bigotry. That man next to you, he's your brother. That woman over there, she's your sister. And that kid walking by, hey, who knows, 
He may have the proportionate strength of a spider. We're all part of one big family, the human family, and we all come together in the body of Marvel. And you, you're part of that family. You're part of the Marvel universe that moves ever upward and onward to greater glory. In other words, Excelsior. This has been a Rick Dusty podcast production.